I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Welcome to our study on the fourfold gospel. There's a link in the show notes to the lesson book that we're working through together. Basically, this study looks at all four gospel accounts together, and there are some questions we work through to guide us in our study. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so we are in our class here. I have on page 11, and thank you to Marty for teaching the class last week while I was away preaching at Thayer Street uh, in Akron. And so Marty taught our section here last time about uh, Jesus' circumcision and, and, the, and being dedicated in the temple. And we saw some remarks from Simeon and Anna uh, recognizing Jesus as the Christ coming and Mary treasuring all these things up in her heart. Um, we had uh, the wise man, the wise men coming, following the star, and so just reviewing some of the things that Marty had covered. We also had uh, the the situation with the wise men following the star and their interaction with Herod, and how Herod asked them to go find this one that they were looking for, so that he may come and worship them as well. Of course, disingenuously, he was not in favor of that, and in fact, um, there are question 12 on page 11. We have uh, the, the gifts being, being brought and then, and then the wise men being told to, to leave and not go back and report to Herod, although being wise men, I kind of get the sense they maybe <laughs> picked up on that, perhaps. Uh, Herod, Herod was uh, known be quite a corrupt fellow, and so I don't know that they would have been that would have been a secret to them. So there were some loose ends from uh, two times ago I wanted to pick up on before we jump into our new text. But of course, let's also start with a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we're thankful for being blessed to come together here to have the health and safety and the ability to be here. We pray that you be with us in our study. Be with all of those that are sick and struggling. Help us all as we strive to be bright lights for you in the world. Pray that you bless us as we consider these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we had some questions a couple times ago. I think Jared and I were actually having some back and forth in the class. And there was some, some question about, you know, who, who was Herod and, and where, how he fit into history and all of that. And, and so I wanted to just take a moment to talk a little bit about Herod. Because kind of like Pharaoh, you know, there's all these pharaohs. Whenever you're dealing with Egypt, there's Pharaoh. And it's just kind of like Pharaoh, but it's, it's some specific guy. <laughs> but it gets confusing when you try to figure out which, which one we're talking about. And similarly, here at this period of time, we have this, this ruling family of the Herods, or the Herodian dynasty. And it gets a little confusing about who is who. So, uh, 
one of the things to think about is uh, Herod the Great, it's the, like the first one called Herod, and that's the one we're talking about right here in our context. So as, as uh, Jesus was born and this, this Herod that's trying to, to kill Jesus, this is Herod the Great, this first Herod. And, and leading up to that were some of the things that Jared and I were kind of talking about last time or two times ago, um, where Herod had sort of a rocky beginning to getting established with all of the changes in the Roman Empire, with uh, Julius Caesar being killed, and then all these uh, civil wars with what, Octavian Augustus and Mark Antony. And, and uh, Mark Antony is the one who installed Herod as the king of the Jews. That sounds like a familiar title, right? The king of the Jews, of course, we would equate with Jesus. But that's part of the conflict here, of course, is that uh, Herod, Herod the Great, was, was set up as king of the Jews politically. And so when he would hear that there's some other king of the Jews, that would be seen as a threat. So anyway, after Mark Antony, you know, the whole Battle of Actium and the, the big sea battle and all that, and uh, Cleopatra and all that, movies made about that that I only have a vague <laughs> recollection of, but nevertheless, uh, Caesar Augustus won, Mark Antony and Cleopatra lost and committed suicide, as I understand. And so Herod had been loyal to Mark Antony, the losing side of this battle. And so, oh no, now what's going to happen to me? And so he goes and sort of appeals to uh, Caesar Augustus or Octavian and is able to secure his, his kingdom here. And so this sort of this rocky, rocky uh, story to get into place. And that was part of what we were kind of chatting about. Is that close to being right? <laughs> yeah, I think that that was, we had this general outline of, from, if you look at it from a historical context, there was just a lot going on and things being established in this short time period, within a 20 or 30 year. Yeah, big, big world history events that really play into what's going on here. Uh, on, on every level, both with uh, the coming of Christ and also with the empires that have been governing for this time, the uh, tumultuous changes are starting to fall into place. And under Augustus, you're going to find the longest stretch of probably expansion and, and consolidation under the Roman Empire. It's, Stability is what Octavian brought that they did not have previously. Of course, all of that Roman Caesar history is an underpinning that goes throughout the New Testament. And we're leading up, we just finished our study in Revelation, which, of course, we recognize Caesar worship was one of the uh, big conflicts there. And we talked a little bit about Nero and Trajan. And, of course, they're farther down the line in, in history here. We're, we're talking um, with Herod. Uh, this would be, you know, Jesus was thought to be born in, we think of zero or one or whatever, but it's probably more like seven to four BC, just because of how the calendars are messed up. Um, so that's this time where Herod's reigning, and of course his reign ends as we, as we're going to see here. Anyway, back to Herod. So we have we have Herod the Great, and and we have this map here. If you can see the black section. That's all his area. So that's, you know, that's the area of Israel. Hopefully we're familiar with. We see the, the Sea of Galilee up there at the top and the 
the Dead Sea there at the bottom. But then after, after Herod dies, and he dies in a really gross way, um, seems to be worms in the family or something, but um, you know, Herod's obviously mentioned here in the, the whole um, killing of the infants and all of that in Bethlehem. But he was also the one who renovated the temple. And so the temple was quite uh, glorious at this time due to Herod's renovation of, of the temple. And then he's also, at the end of his death, um, history tells us, the scriptures don't tell us this, they tell us about another Herod with worms. <laughs> but this Herod, Herod the Great, died uh, with a disgusting illness of worms. And if we move on, he had sons that were then put in place. So, so Caesar, instead of putting someone else to replace Herod the Great, that all that territory, they broke it up into multiple parts. And so one of his sons, Herod Archelaus, had the, that uh, section uh, around Jerusalem in the vicinity. And that's uh, one of the, the things we'll look at in our study is that Joseph was afraid to return back to Bethlehem because Herod Archelaus is ruling in his father's place and, and in that region there that includes Bethlehem and Jerusalem and all of that. And then we, had, we also have Herod Antipas, and he rules the area between Jerusalem and Galilee, so up north there, ruling that and also something to the, to the east of the, 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 Red, the Dead Sea. And this is the one that we, in our study, we recognize um, Jesus having the trials before Herod. You know, Pilate sends him to Herod. This is the Herod that that's talking about. And then Herod sends him back to Pilate, of course. This is the one who John the Baptist had the conflict with because he had his brother's wife. He had Philip, Philip's wife, Herodias, and then the whole scene with John getting his head cut off as a result of that conflict. Luke chapter 13, verse 32, Jesus uh, is told, well, Herod wants to kill you. And he's like, well, go tell that fox. I'm doing all these things. And that was quite an insult. Um, I understand that Jesus used the feminine form of fox to refer to, to Herod Antipas there, even a deeper insult than maybe we'd see on the surface. Then, of course, Herod Philip is that section in the northeast up there, indicated in purple, and that was the one that, of course, Herod Antipas had Philip's wife. And then there's a little confusing because there are more people in, involved in ruling here, but another son that, that uh, Herod had was Herod Aristobulus, and then a son of his was, was Herod Agrippa, and that's the fellow who is said in Acts chapter 12 to have killed James, the brother of John, and also put Peter in jail, and he was miraculously released in, in that same chapter. And then also in that chapter, he's the one who didn't give glory to God. He said, the, the voice of a God and not of a man. And then it says he was eaten of worms and died. So lots of gross things in the Herod family. And then his son took over, Herod Agrippa II, and that's where in Acts chapter 25, and we see um, Paul's testimony before Agrippa. This is Herod Agrippa. And, and all of the, the account that Paul's able to speak before kings and talk about all of that. So that's just a little backstory. I, I find that really confusing, all these Herods, and I hope that gives a little framework. 
Well, let's get back to our story here in uh, Matthew 2, 13 through 23. Let's just read from our Bibles, Matthew 2, 13 through 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there. Until I tell you, for Herod, Herod the Great, is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod, Herod the Great. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, Herod Archelaus, was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod the Great. He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So we're here in our book, workbook. Does everyone have a workbook? Okay, we're on page 11. And... For question 13, it says the flight into Egypt and the subsequent return to Nazareth, which we just read about. What advice did the angel of the Lord give Joseph when he appeared to him soon after the departure of the wise men? And then what did Joseph do in response to that? Yeah, he was told to, to flee to Egypt because uh, the one who wanted to kill the child has, has died, right? And then, and then he and then he obeyed. He obeyed that heavenly vision, right? It's like, okay. It's really kind of the fact that he did it by night. It almost sounded like he did it immediately. Right. That's the sense I get as well. By night, an urgency. <laughs> you even know how many, how far that of a trip that was? Uh, from Egypt. Do you saying ninety? I, I I know the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was something on the scale of eighty to ninety miles. Shorter by the crow flies, but you know, in terms of how they would have to go, it would like that. So, and if you think about that map, um, you know, it's basically similar distance looking away uh, from from the distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and then then down, of course, down to the southwest to Egypt. Yeah, especially walking in there, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like go to the stop and go over here or something. It was like, this is good. Do this journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. A young child. All the 
problems that go along with that. <laughs> what I need to do. One of the things that struck me in this study that never quite sunk into my head before but is how I feel like we downplay Joseph. I mean, obviously, he's an important figure. Not the father, but, you know, the father figure in terms of the physical family there in, in, for Jesus. But, you know, later on, he seems to be gone or passed away or something, and we, we kind of see more about Mary through time. And in my mind, I just don't think a lot about Joseph, but I'm struck by he's getting all kinds of angelic visions. I don't think there's any, anyone else that's had more angelic visions unless you maybe look at John and Revelation and all the things that happened within that book, context of that revelation. But um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. That kind of changed my perspective on uh, some things about, about Joseph. We, we know this story, right? This is the Christmas story, whatever we call it. But I, I, that's something that I've kind of learned as I've gone along here. Question 14. What prophecy was fulfilled when Joseph took the child, Jesus, into Egypt? Right. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Where is that from? Hosea 11. Verse 1, right. Hosea 11, verse 1, when, it, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son, is what that says. And that seems to be what's being quoted here. Was 
And isn't it interesting, too, to think about the Egyptian bondage story? Part of that involved Pharaoh killing babies, right? And then, of course, this is, we see this echoed here. Um, we might see, just to pontificate for a moment, you know, we might see Jesus' baptism paralleling the parting of the Red Sea. And then we might see as he goes into the wilderness with the temptations for Jesus, sort of paralleling how Egyptians went into the wilderness. There's some really kind of undertones there that are worth, worth considering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and where God sends his people, he always calls them back to his promised land. Mm-hmm. You know, you know um, Joseph and then and Jacob and family, they went into Egypt, but eventually they came back. You know, he brought Abraham to the promised land. And Jesus goes here and he, they eventually come back to, to his thing. So no matter where, where he sends them, even for safety, they eventually... And then, you know, even Abraham had to leave for a while because of a famine in the area and everything. So I think that's kind of maybe always calls people home. Jesus came to fix everything. You know, the, the, when the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, they were tempted by the devil and they did all sorts of evil things and they were swallowed by the earth and there were fiery serpents and all kinds of crazy things, right? But Jesus had his trial in the wilderness and succeeded. And and whereas we had all the failure in the Garden of Eden, you know, we have Jesus in Revelation establishing the New Jerusalem with the Tree of Life and all these things, and making everything perfect, making everything good, better things. Anyway, we digress. Number 15. How did Joseph learn the death of Herod, learn of the death of Herod? And then what did he do upon hearing it? Yeah. Verse 19, Matthew 2, 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Again, Joseph getting all these angel visions while he was in Egypt there, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. The, the, the Herod the Great and his henchmen, right? And then what did he do? Yeah, verse 21. He rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. A little, maybe not by night there, maybe a little less urgent when not trying to be killed, rather that there's some relief. Uh, so he obeyed. Joseph was a faithful man. Number 16. To what city did Joseph return? With Mary and the child, of course the child Jesus, right? And, and then why, and what prophecy was fulfilled in this? They went to Nazareth. Yeah, that's, that's the easy part of the question, right? So they went to, to Nazareth, verse, verses 22 and 23. And when, when, uh, but when he heard that Archelaus, Herod Archelaus, was reigning over Judea, that land that encompassed Jerusalem and Bethlehem, he was in Judea in place of his father Herod the Great. He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So it seems like he had some sense that this was a bad deal, and then, and then again, he doesn't mention an, an angel, but warned in a dream, you know, get the sense perhaps it's an angel again, miraculously warning him in a dream. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that 
what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the bonus question, even though it's in our book. <laughs> what prophecy was fulfilled by this action? You know, Matthew's all the time saying, right? Uh, Out of Egypt he called my son, and as Jeremiah said, a voice heard in Ramah, right? We just read those. What's this one? Okay, you got Judges 13. So this might be a reference, you know, this actually a little, this is a difficult question. This, this seems to fit, right? Although Nazarite and Nazarene aren't really the same thing, but in Hebrew, and I've, I've been learning Hebrew a little bit, they only have consonants. So like N-Z-R is sort of this root word, or N-T-Z-R, there's this letter like Natsar kind of thing. And it, it could mean, it could be a reference to this. It could be a reference to um, Isaiah 11.1, 1, which is the, the branch or the, or the shoot. Um, messianic passage there. Uh, there shall come forth a shoot, or some might say a branch, from the stump of Jesse, or here, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And so that, that word there, branch, in Hebrew is natsar, this N, um, natsar, N-Z, or T-Z-R, um, maybe to try to, you know, it's just sort of this oblique reference to this. It, it's, it's not really super clear to me. Um, there's also a root word for consecrate, which I think relates to the, to the Nazarene. Yes? There's a little verse in John. Right, and this is the other angle to take this. Like, okay, well, in fact, uh, what what Matthew wrote here, there was something distinct about what he wrote here in Matthew 2, verse 23. He says, so that was that what was spoken by the prophets, plural. Like back there in verse 17, he said Jeremiah. And then in verse uh, 15, he said the prophets. We're supposed to figure out that was Hosea. Here he says the prophets, and sort of more of a broad term, perhaps. So we might think of things like, you know, Psalm chapter 22, where it talks about um, the suffering servant and these sorts of things, and he was despised by men, and verses that talk about that idea, the, the general characterization of him as being sort of despised, and then, and then as you're pointing out here in John 140. 45 um, and 46, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Sort of this Nazareth, that's, you know, Jerusalem's a cool place, you know, that's, but, but then if you go north of there, you've got Samaria, the Samaritans, you know, they don't like the Samaritans, and then way out beyond there, up in Galilee, you know, you might think the, the you know, the hillbillies or something, <laughs> way out there, they're not even hardly part of, you know, the nation. Uh, and they're just rural bumpkins or something like this. You know, can anything good come out of there? You know, they're not even part. They're hardly even part of us, kind of thing. And that might be the way that this is to be considered as well. So I take your pick on that. 
I kind of like that last interpretation <laughs> best, but I, I don't know. It's also a good spot because we're right at a section break. So we'll plan to pick up Lord Willing it there in that next section. Jesus visit at, to Jerusalem at age 12. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love.